Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored Podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a holistic business coach and intuitive healer who supports empaths in creating a thriving body, business, and life. Healing my own chronic illness as an empath led me to become fascinated with energy and more specifically, all the emotional, spiritual, and holistic healing modalities that my doctor never told me about. I began to share my insights and journey online and over time built a powerful community and business supporting women who were also on their path to healing. Think of this podcast as your uncensored and no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship as a highly sensitive person. You'll get no nonsense and totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing journey right beside you. Now let's get started. Welcome to today's episode. I'm curious to know if you've ever considered about the energy that things around you have and give off and how it affects you as an empath. If not, this is going to be very eye-opening today. If you have, I hope you still find lots of new insights. My guest is Tracy McCubbin, and she refers to herself as the obsessive, compulsive, delightful And she has turned that into a booming business. While working for a major television director in Los Angeles, Tracy discovered that she had the ability to see through any mess and clearly envision a clutter-free space. Coupled with keen time management and organizational skills, Tracy soon found more and more people were asking for her help. And before she knew it, Declutterify was born. 
12 years later and thousands of decluttered homes later, Tracy knew it was time to take what she had learned working with her clients and write a book to help others dealing with clutter. She is the author of the newly published book, Making Space Clutter-Free, the last book on decluttering you'll ever need. I am super excited to, ju- to dive into this conversation today. We're going to be talking on things like how too much stuff in your bedroom can cause insomnia, how stuff around you and especially in your kitchen influences your food choices, how women in cluttered households have higher cortisol, and clutter is just a constant to-do list. So there's lots of good gems inside this episode. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the show, Tracy. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. So you seem like the queen of decluttering. You've been on many places, many shows talking about decluttering, have a new book on decluttering, and just making space in our life. So I'd love to hear what initially inspired you to, to start that path personally and professionally. Oh, that, it's a fantastic question. Um, as my mother will attest, uh, I have always been organized. I grew up in a bit of a chaotic childhood. So I think I was always trying to make order out of chaos. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, tra- I've had the pleasure to travel quite a bit in my life. Um, I did a year abroad. I've taken a lot of really big trips. And so pretty early on, I realized you don't need a lot of stuff. Um, and then when I started my professional career out here in Los Angeles, I was working as a personal assistant. Mm-hmm. And when you're a personal assistant, you do everything. Yeah. So I was, you know, doing all this stuff and getting, you know, requests from friends of my bosses like, oh, my grandma passed away and can you help me sort through the paperwork or my business went under and I need to dig myself out or could you come take a look at my closet? And so the jobs just started coming. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think that I had a business. And a friend of mine was like, I think that's a real thing. And I was like, what? <laughs> no, I'm just a, you know, an assistant. That's, and he's like, no, no, no. I think it's actually a thing. Yeah. So I built a website and I kind of hung my little sign out and that was 12 years ago and, you know, over 2000 clients later. So mm-hmm. really was an organic journey. And, um, I think that when I entered this field, you know, it's a very popular thing right now, but when I entered it, it was really focusing on organizing Mm -hmm. and no one was talking about the stuff. No one was talking about the fact that to be organized, the best way to be organized is to have less stuff. Yeah. So I think I really started the stuff conversation Mm -hmm. um, and watched this field take a pretty big shift. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. And we're just coming off of uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all of the Thanksgiving, post-Thanksgiving shopping and recording this actually on Giving Tuesday. I just thought it was so timely for us to be having this conversation, especially as we kind of end that consumerism weekend and start to enter into Christmas season and Christmas time and Christmas gifts and and just the impact that all this again stuff can have on our our life. Can you talk about uh, some of the emotional blocks that are related to the inability to let go of stuff? So I'm sure there's people listening who might be looking around and wherever they're listening from and be like, wow, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here, but I feel like I I'm attached to it or I can't let go of it. 
And I love that you dove into this in your book. And I'd love to just hear your thoughts today on what are the emotional blocks that keep us hanging on, on to, to things, to stuff in our life? So I call them the emotional clutter blocks. Mm. And what I think they are is that they are stories that we have told ourselves over and over again about why we can't let it go of stuff. Mm -hmm. And as we know, if we tell ourselves a story long enough, it becomes a truth. Yeah. So all of a sudden we have these truths like, oh, I paid too much money for it. Um, you know, my grandma gave it to me and she's passed. I couldn't possibly let go of it, even though I hate it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, oh, I don't wear my nice clothes because I don't feel worthy. That it mm -hmm. really pushes emotional buttons in us from frugality to sentimentality to self-worth to, you know, how we want the rest of the world to see us. And that we, that this stuff has come to us with no meaning shows up at our house with no meaning and we imbue all this meaning on top of it and then it gets a hold on us and yeah. what happens is our house stops working for us mm -hmm. right at the end of the day our house is a tool it's where we sleep and we eat and we rest and we go out into the world but if your kitchen counter is so cluttered with stuff that you can't cook yourself a healthy meal mm -hmm. you're, you're going to order out Mm -hmm. If your closet is a disaster and you can't get dressed in the morning, you know, calmly and feel great when you walk out the door, you're going to show up to work a mess. Mm -hmm. So the effect that this clutter has on us is super emotional and super mm -hmm. deep. And people, you know, everybody, exactly what you said, people are like, I want to declutter, but I can't. And I don't know why mm -hmm. I'm just a bad housekeeper or I'm just lazy. And it's like, no, no, no. It's so much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And so what, I wanted to do with this book was uh, illuminate the seven emotional clutter blocks that I've seen in my thousands of clients over and over again and make them, you know, enlighten them to people. So they go, Oh, I'm not just a lazy housekeeper. There's mm -hmm. actually something really here. So mm -hmm. it's been amazing and people are responding. I mean, I get emails a couple times a day. Like I never thought of it this way. I never looked at it. I have the same relationship with food and now I'm realizing it. I have it with stuff. That's super interesting. I could see where that would definitely cross over uh, the relationship to the, the stuff in our lives to food or even to in relationships, I feel like there could be crossover there as well. One of the points, I think it's number six that you mentioned, is that sometimes we feel trapped with other people's stuff. And I certainly see this within my family where um, a grandparent or great grandparent passes away and they leave all this stuff behind, you know, I mean, some of it's nice furniture or mementos or old china sets or, or whatever the stuff is, but all of a sudden there's like almost this feeling of responsibility of since it wasn't yours, like you can't get rid of it. Have you it, encountered a lot of that? A lot. That's a huge part of my business. It, and it's, you, you put it so well that it becomes a sense of responsibility. You're like, how can I possibly let this go? They left it to me or we cleaned out the house. And then, but then all of a sudden it jumps from being a lovely heirloom that reminds you of your grandmother you loved mm -hmm. to a burden you know, to the point that people are renting outside storage spaces yeah. to store the stuff that they're never going to use. Mm -hmm. And what people need to understand is that this, that stuff isn't the person. 
Mm -hmm. right? It was the tools that they used. And I'd rather see you keep one thing that you love, 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 that every time you look at it, you have this amazing memory of your grandmother Mm -hmm. versus paying $200 a month for a storage unit of furniture you're never going to use. Right. You know, and it becomes family lore, right? The family's told you, oh, that's important. Oh, that's going to be worth a lot of money. Oh, you're the one that has to keep it. And you're like, yeah well, why aren't you keeping it if it's so important, you know? And it's, yeah. And I think that as we get, you know, as the boomers are starting to transition and, you know, people are, it's just, we're just getting, you know, people already have a house full of stuff. And then Mm -hmm. you're like, oh my golly, I have all this other stuff coming. Mm -hmm. So it, it becomes a really interesting conversation. And also it's making my generation, I'm in my 50s, start to think about how much stuff do I need? Right. Because when I go, who's it going to fall a burden on? You know, yeah. that there, I think there needs to be a, a shift in all of our consciousness mm-hmm. about how we're dealing with this stuff. Definitely. I, in the past, well, month and then also four years ago, lost both of my brothers. And oh, after so losing Jordan four years ago, went into his room and he was a collector of things. Um, I wouldn't call him like a hoarder or anything, but he was a collector of many things and he had traveled many places. And so there were a lot of mementos. And I remember going in there and going, wow, like we need to save, like my initial reaction was we need to save all this stuff. And after sitting in there for a little while and just kind of like sitting on his bed and looking around, I was like, you know what? No. Like you said, this isn't him. These things are not him. I have strong memories of him. I have dozens of pictures online that don't take up any space of him. I have some voice recordings and videos of him. And so I picked like four things, you know, a couple books uh, and a t-shirt. And and I took those with me to my home. And then losing my other brother uh, about uh, five weeks ago, I went into his room and he was also a collector of many things. And I went in the same thing and I sat on his bed and I just was like, what, what are the things that I can pick that are actually meaningful that would remind me of him? And so I have it actually right over here sitting next to me, like one of his hats that he used to wear all the time. And that's something that I can like show my, my future children someday and be like, this was your uncle Joe's or this was your uncle Jordan's, but I don't need all of that stuff to be able to hold and capture the memory of them. And I think that it's easy to get caught up in, again, it, it was their stuff. And so I'm not allowed to throw it away. And I'm, I feel fortunate in that, like that their room wasn't in my home. So I'm not responsible for actually getting rid of it. Right. Right. Gathering, <laughs> gathering what was most important to me. And that feels uh, so much lighter than having to bring all of that into my space. Because what you're doing is you're actually honoring the memory, right? Mm-hmm. You're honoring so that when you look at those few things, mm-hmm. you are you remember them at their best and your the best of your relationship. And really, when people keep a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff of someone who's passed away, it keeps them stuck in the grieving. And look, yeah. when you lose a family member, you are going to grieve forever, right? Mm-hmm. You're always that grieving process, you know, shifts and morphs, but you're always going to do it. But if mm-hmm. you're burdened by so much of the stuff, you're going to be stuck in it. And I can promise, you know, if they could 
come back and visit you or send you a message or, you know, be an angel, they wouldn't want you to be burdened. Right. They would want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people think that it's just, we don't want to lose the connection, right? right? That's what we want. We want that connection to that person who's passed. Yeah. So what I, you know, I just want you to, I want that connection to be beautiful and not burdensome. Absolutely. And I hear, I hear a lot of people when they talk about going through old cabinets or drawers or closets, looking at all the individual things that do exist in there. And then like, there's this little voice inside their head that says, well, I might need that someday. (laughs) Someday I'll fit in. Someday I might need that. Or as I call it, clutter block number seven, the stuff I keep paying for. Ah. Right. This is the idea of like, look, the future of someday we could craft any kind of amazing scenario that like i might need a spaceship someday (laughs) i might need a and you can't burden yourself now you can't weigh yourself now with the thing that maybe or maybe you're not gonna need Mm -hmm. and look honestly if there's something that comes along that you really need chances are there's someone in your life you can borrow it from. Mm-hmm. You could probably rebuy it cheaper than it's costing you to store it. Yeah. You know, it, there's very few things that are going to come along that you need that you're not going to be able to get. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. with Amazon and Instacart and Postmates, you get everything right away. So right. that's the other side of it that we're just getting inundated with the ability to shop without even having to put our pants on. Correct. <laughs> I'm guilty of that on Amazon. I do not shop with my pants on all the yeah. time. <laughs> and, and if you think about Amazon, I was thinking about this the other day, like it's, it's a little like a slot machine, right? Like you, you ting, ding, ting, ding, ting, and you order. And then the next day, like, you're like, Oh, somebody bought me a present, right? Yeah. That you get this reward of, I did this, I, I pushed these little buttons and then this thing appeared. Mm-hmm. And so you know, on the other side of all this Cyber Monday, Black Friday, we're just, you know, the packages. I live in a building with a front desk and the packages down there are insane. 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 Yeah. You know, when we all live in lofts, like, I'm like, what are you going to do with all this stuff? <laughs> Where is it going? Right. Exactly. And uh, the messaging is really clear. You need this. You need this. You need this. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I tell my clients all the time is just swap out the word need mm-hmm. to want. Mm-hmm. Just admit that you want it. Like, I want a new pair of jeans. I really want a pair of combat boots for the winter. I want them. Do I need them? No, but I want them. And when I got to that point of wanting, then it made the shopping not be so manic. Yeah. Yeah, that um, it's so easy to create that impulse and to have the immediate gratification of just a package showing up at your door that I think that and then the the cardboard that comes along with it. Oh, yeah. And I was, I was just recently this morning, actually looking at some of the statistics because of, of this highly consumerism weekend we just got through and just really appalled by how much waste we create. And so that makes me consider or, or question if I am 
on the emotional side, finally ready to let go and realizing that like someday my is maybe never going to happen. And I'm, I'm ready to actually let go of this stuff. And I'm not just going to put it in a storage unit. I think I saw a statistic in, in your media kit that was like one in 10 Americans have offsite storage space that they one probably never go to. Do you know that only 25% of Americans can park their cars in their garage? That's insane. 75% of Americans cannot fit their cars in their garage. We live on a street that has um, two car garages, but they're pretty, they're pretty small. Like it's like for your car in like some wall kind of shelving space. And I see that on our street as you drive down, I would say at least half of the people have maybe one car in their garage or zero cars in their garage. And my husband and I have made this commitment that two cars will always fit Good into job. our garage. <laughs> Good job. Good so we're, job. So far we're winning. We have two cars in like, a, you know, SUV, big car inside of the garage. And we, we never want that to change. Plus we don't want to wipe snow off our car either. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, it's like, okay. I mean, the joke I make is everybody puts their $40,000 cars on the street and then lives next door to their own teeny tiny mini landfill, right? Yes. <laughs> because oh if gosh. you can't get to that stuff in there, you're not using it. That's the yeah. thing about offsite storage. Mm -hmm. It's offsite. You're not using it. Right. I have been in no exaggeration I can't even count. I mean, I've probably been in 500 storage units with clients mm -hmm. easily. There's never been anything that we have uncovered in a storage unit that's worth more than what they paid to store it ever. Yeah. And I think if we could all just wrap our minds around that and reframe our stuff and what it actually means, then we might be able to let go of it a little bit easier. Well, so and I think that also, sorry to interrupt, but I think that it's, what also I want people to realize is that their stuff, once they've bought it, still keeps costing them money, mm. right? We think, oh, I paid for it and I'm done with it. But no, you've got to pay to store it. You've got to pay to maintain it. Mm -hmm. You've got to pay to have someone haul it away when you don't want it anymore, that there's this ongoing cost. And if you think about a scenario where, you know, I see this, I get called in all the time where people have a guest room in their house and it's become the storage dump. And they're like, well, I'm not paying for offsite storage, but I'm like, but you have a, a room in your house you cannot use. Yeah. And so let's say you want your grandkids to come visit. Let's say you wanted a friend to come spend the weekend. They can't. That's a cost to you. Mm -hmm. And I think people need to sit with the impact of that cost and understand that it's ongoing. Yeah. A uh, large percentage of the, the listeners in my community are empaths or highly sensitive people who deeply feel the energy of other people, but also their surroundings. And I think this relates so strongly to the empath. For, for me, this you know, I'm in my office space right now, and I intentionally surround myself with plants and with like minimal things, minimal stuff, because when I am in a space where there's just the energy that is coming off of different objects, especially older objects that have like been in many people's lives or hands or have stories attached to them. Even just, I had to clear all my books out of here. I have some minimal books right here on the bottom of my shelf. I used to have this huge bookshelf and it felt claustrophobic energetically for me that by clearing this space as the empath who can feel so deeply, I felt like I could breathe. And now, especially in an office space, let creative ideas come through to me for my business and for the podcast and for writing. And it just feels so much more freer to not have the energy of all of that around me as well. 
So I have a great story. I have a client who was a lovely, lovely human, lovely human, very handsome, just an amazing man and had just retired, but been able to retire pretty young and was, you know, very sporty and was looking for his great love. Mm -hmm. You know, he was ready. He'd kind of done some other relationships and was like, I'm retired now. I'm financially secure. I'm going to move to the beach. Like, Everything was in place. And so he was, we were decluttering his house to get him ready to move. And we went into his living room where he entertained people. And the bookshelves were full of every self-help book you could ever imagine. I mean, name it, it was up there. Like, <laughs> and I was like, hmm, let's talk about this for a second. Like, this is so amazing that you have this wisdom and that you've done this work on yourself. But if I was a woman coming in to meet you or date you or see your home for the first time and I saw all this, I would be like, wow, <laughs> there's a lot of baggage here. Yeah. You know, I'm like, if you go back, if they're the ones that you go back and refer, let's put them in your office or let's put them somewhere. And he was like, I don't refer to them anymore. Like I've done that work. Mm -hmm. He got rid of all of them. Wow. And met the loveliest woman. Like literally like a month later, like Aww. it just, you know, it just cleared the energy out because the weight yeah. of that deep internal work that we all need to do mm. was in his main living space. Yeah. And so I think that for empaths, we need to understand, look, I describe clutter as a constant to-do list. Mm. When you have a pile of clutter, all you think is, ugh, I got to deal with that. Ugh, I got to deal with that. Ugh, I got to deal with that. And so if you are an empath, that's going to weigh on you. You know, the, my clients describe it as like a literal weight on their chest. Yep. And that's so, what I was feeling in my office space. And I just felt like it, th there was this weight that I couldn't, it was constant because I couldn't escape it because this is my home. This is my office. This is where I do my work. So something within the space had to change so that I could feel different. Exactly. And look, if you want to refer to one of those books, you walk out to where they are and you get it. It's yeah. just, you know, it's no, and I think people really need to, I mean, the first thing I tell, ask people when I'm working with them and they have a really cluttered bedroom is, do you have insomnia? 90% mm -hmm. of the time. They're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well you have 12 unread books stacked next to your bed. Like mm -hmm. that's just a, you know, that's just sending you this message. Like I got to read this or I'm not getting this done or I'm not smarter. You know, all the messaging that it sends. Yeah. It's intense. It's really intense. Yeah. So for the person who is <laughs> light bulbs are going off and they're like, wow, it's really time for me to get rid of some stuff. What is the best or most sustainable way to actually then get rid of stuff so that we're not creating more waste in the world? It's great. So I call this conscious donating. Um, I have a whole chapter in my book about it. Um, it's about donating mindfully. Mm -hmm. So it's about keeping as much out of the landfill as possible. Um, it's also sort of breaking down your donations so that they just don't all go, you know, you just... I mean, those big organizations are fine and they do pretty good work. I'm not going to call them out. But mm -hmm. for instance, like we, with all my client stuff, we separate out sheets and towels. We take it to the animal shelter, mm. you know, suitcases go to the, a couple organizations that work with foster kids. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just, if you can break it down a little bit and get it to who needs it, mm -hmm. then you're going to, it's going to be better off. Also, 
some of the stuff is going to end up in the landfill. And I need people to like, think about that, right? Like if this ends up there, maybe the next time before you buy something new, you're going to go, all right, where is this going to go? I just followed this great, somebody turned me on to this great new, um, hashtag on Instagram. I think it's like the, I forget, it's a nifty thrifty channel. I'll give it to you and you can put it in the show notes. Yeah. But it's basically people putting pictures of themselves in completely thrifted outfits. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. And it's like everyone from like 18 year olds to 70 year olds and mm-hmm. everybody looks great. And they're like, I got this whole outfit for $5. And it's yeah. this, you know, so if that's where you're thinking, there are so many other ways that you can buy to mm-hmm. buy more consciously. That's such a brilliant point. And I, I, I think it would be so helpful for people to have just like a mini guide on, well, like you said, sheets and blankets, for example, or the suitcases or the clothes or, or like good shape in good shape, like, but use bras. Yeah. If you go to, I know, I know I'm trying to find out if anybody's out there that works with one, I'm trying to find an organization that takes bras. Mm -hmm. It's been my, it's been my goal. I have a great resource page on my website, um, which we'll give at the end. Uh, but on my website, there's a resource page of here are places to think about Mm -hmm. uh, donating. And it's also in the back of the book. So I put together those resources for people. I love that because then then you can feel good about also releasing that weight uh, from yourself, knowing that it's actually going to be used and not potentially just thrown away, even though you think you're donating it or that you think it's going to be used. Maybe it gets thrown away. And instead, like this is an organization that can actually use this and it can it can have another life of its own and not end up in a landfill. That That's something like a value that's very important to me is sustainability and, and just taking care of the environment. And so while I try to live this more minimalistic life and when I do give, give back or get rid of stuff, I try to take it to be donated. I also want I want it to be donated where it can be used most effectively. Exactly. And, you know, there are a couple great – you know, there's, oh, I live in California, so we have wildfires all the time. And, mm. and there, there have been a couple amazing articles about like, look, when there's a wildfire, you know, when people lose their homes, think about what you're donating. Because if you just throw like a prom dress and a, you know, wool coat and like a bunch of crap in a box and mm-hmm. take it to the nonprofit that's, that's distributing it, that's manpower that they have to sort through it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, if I lost my home and I lived in California, what would I really need? Mm-hmm. You know? And so I think it's, again, it's a consciousness and a mindfulness that we need to put into just getting rid of it all. Yeah. So let's talk about the aspiring minimalists, which I think gets more to the to the root of this clutter problem. And you mentioned it before where it's like, as I get rid of this stuff, I'm actually then reflecting, taking the time to reflect back on in the future, I'm not going to be buying so much or I'm going to be buying more consciously. So for the aspiring minimalist who has this this goal, but feels like that is a hard to obtain goal, what are the first steps that, that they can take if that's the person listening to start living with less stuff. And I just want to add to uh, my husband and I recently bought a second home in the mountains and it's funky, very funky. It's an (laughs) old Airstream trailer with like a living room attached to it, but it's 600 square feet. And so it's, 
I think technically tiny houses are more on the side of like uh, 400 square feet, but it's close to the size of a tiny house. And as we were putting new stuff into this house and actually taking a lot of what we already had and just putting it there for an Airbnb renter to, you know, at least have the basic needs, I walk in and I'm like, wow, it's so nice in here because it's so minimalist. It's, it's, it's not, it doesn't have all my stuff and it's just a beautiful place instead to like spend time and to clear your head. And we love going up there to get away. But back to my question, how do we start living with less stuff like that more tiny house lifestyle that's also becoming really popular? It's such a great question, Sarah. So the first step is when you have started or as you are doing the decluttering process to be to really pay attention to what it feels like to have less stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like sit with it and be like, oh, I'm actually sleeping better. I'm actually cooking better. I can actually have people over to entertain. Like look at what you're getting out of because um, I don't want you to just start decluttering just because, oh, I've got to do it and everybody's doing it on Pinterest. It's like, I want you to know why you're doing it. I want you to create the vision for your home and then just see how good it feels. And it's like you said, if you, I get a call all the time from people who want me to come declutter and there, and it usually, a lot of times it'll come like, well, we bought a second, you know, we bought a place at the beach or we bought a place at the mountain and it's really where I want to be all the time. Mm -hmm. And I realized it's because it has less stuff. Yeah. So I think if you can really own what it feels like to have less stuff and to also pay attention to how much time your stuff sucks up, yeah. right? Are you like, you know, how long is it taking you to get dressed in the morning? Do you have to move everything off the bed to go to sleep at night? Like, mm -hmm. is, is, it, is there a real time cost? And once you see the benefits of it, then it's going to be so much easier to maintain. Yeah, that's a really good good tip and guideline to to live by. Because I also I do feel like this is a lifestyle change that that we can absolutely create, and it, it can feel then really sustainable to just live in that way. And, and sorry, but and one of the things you know I tell people, and I talk about this in the book all the time, is that um, there's no right way, right? There's not. You shouldn't only have thirty things in your house or mm -hmm. six pieces of clothing. You know, I live half time by myself, half time with my boyfriend, and um, we don't have any. You know, his kids are grown, so we have a very different amount of stuff than a family of four, right? Mm -hmm. When you start to have kids, you're going to get more stuff. So it's not about there's a a prescribed amount. It's about what works for you. Yeah. What really works for you? Like be honest about it. You know, mm -hmm. can you, do you know where everything you need in your house is? Like, can you go and put your hands on it in five minutes? Right. If you're digging around for stuff. It's not working. Right. Yeah. That's another good, just visualization for everyone to try out of, of thinking of, you know, where is that one thing and do I need to move a bunch of crap to be able to get yeah, to it? Exactly. Exactly. So you think about where you're the happiest, right? Where are you? The, yeah. if you're like, I just love to go to the beach. It's like, hmm, I love to go to the spa. Hmm, there's not a lot of stuff in either of those places. Yeah. Yeah. To me, those like embody this just simplicity and, and nature and being able to take a deep breath. Exactly. Because we need our homes to restore us. Mm -hmm. 
I wanted to come back to the point you made about insomnia. I think that that's probably going to resonate with a lot of people. And I'm curious to know what, if any, other health and wellness effects do you see of people holding on to stuff or clutter in their homes, in, in their lives? Do you see that show up in a physical way beyond just insomnia? All the time. They have, they, scientists, have done so many studies Women who live in cluttered houses have very, very high um, incidences of cortisol. Their cortisol is completely jacked up, which we know is our fight or flight hormone. We know mm-hmm. that adds, you know, fat to our middle, all those things, right? So that's it's jacking up your cortisol. They just did a fascinating study where they put people in a cluttered kitchen, very cluttered kitchen, mm-hmm. and they offered them a carrot and a cookie. And almost everyone took the cookie. Then they took the same, I don't know if it was the same people or a different group of people, put them in an uncluttered kitchen, Mm -hmm. offered them a carrot and a cookie, and most people took the carrot. So there's something about the amount of clutter that is making them choose the unhealthy food. I am amazed. I mean, not like shocked that that would be the case, but that study to me is fascinating. Fascinating, right? It makes so much sense too, where it's like, I see that even in my own kitchen, which we keep clean, but sometimes like the dishes stack up or whatever, even when my sink is full of dirty dishes, which happens from time to time, I am more likely to be like, let's just order out Indian versus let's make, I don't know, a fresh soup or something. Right. Exactly. And the other thing, and I don't know if you've talked about this on your show with your listeners, but have you talked about decision fatigue at all? Not in that specific language, but it sounds like something else I talk about. So I'd love to hear your point of view. So they, uh, Yale did this, I believe it's Yale, it might be Harvard, did a really big study and they found that the part of the brain that makes decisions um, gets tired very easy. The more decisions it makes, the more tired it gets. And when it gets tired, it defaults to making bad decisions. Mm. So it's the reason why when you wake up in the morning rested and you're like, today's a steamed broccoli and chicken kind of day. Mm. And then you know, you're know you at work still at 8 p.m. at night and you're like, why am I eating this pepperoni pizza? Why is this happening? Because your brain is exhausted, that part of your brain, and it defaults to bad decisions. So clutter... Every piece of clutter is a decision. Mm -hmm. Where do I put this? Where do I live? What do I do with this? So if you're living in a cluttered home, you are putting yourself in constant decision fatigue. Mm -hmm. If your closet is so packed that you can't move your hanger an inch, like making choosing an outfit is like, oh, I can't, well, I don't know. I'm just going to wear what's in the laundry basket. Mm -hmm. So it's a direct correlation the amount of stuff to how many decisions you have to make in a day. Yeah. I really hope that connecting clutter and stuff, materialistic things to how that can influence you on so many different levels, including our health and wellness inspires people to go open their closet and take a look and just just really think that, you know, a lot of people who are cluttered, you know, they have a lot of shame around it and they've heard their whole lives like you're messy and go clean your room. And that's not where I'm coming from. That's yeah. not what the book is about. That's not what 
my messaging is. My messaging is I want you to be happy in your home. I want you to be rested. I want you to refill your well and maybe look at how much stuff you have and is it doing that for you? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny just to, you know, I, I have a question, I have a quiz in the book kind of to see where you are on the clutter scale. And one of the questions I ask is, you know, have you ever started crying getting dressed in the morning? Mm. And it's like, cause your closet's a nightmare. And so many people are like, oh yeah, all the time. It's like, yeah. I don't want you to start your day crying. No. That's not what I want. I want you to put on an outfit and go out in the world. I'm so glad you brought this point up because it's not about shaming people for having the clutter or the disorganized drawer or closet or whatever kitchen. It's about there's, there's a solution. There's a different way for you to feel better. Absolutely. And look, for a lot of people, this doesn't come to them naturally, right? They're not organized by nature. They're not, you know, I mean, I'm crazy the other direction, which has its own set of issues, but <laughs> this isn't about that. It's if you didn't know how to play the violin and you want to learn how to play the violin, you would go get a violin teacher. If you don't know how to be organized, if you don't know how to declutter, then I want to teach you. I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to shame you. You could come, there could be a million reasons, right? And if you want to change your life, the help is out there to find a new way of being, which is yeah. super exciting. Thank you so much. I'm just, I, I feel inspired, even though I consider myself pretty minimalistic and like pretty organized and that it does come naturally to me. So it's not something I have to like practice at too much. But even this conversation today has me going, wow, there's still stuff that I don't need to be holding on to. Like, and there's so many ways to be able to give and to let that be recycled and, and upcycled into something that can be used, like, not better, but um, maybe even be more appreciated in a different location in somebody else's hands. And so I'm feeling very inspired to go do that today. And especially, like I said, coming off of this consumerism weekend and into the holiday season, which again, there's so much consumerism, but I think it's also a really time to like go back to our values and to, to give back and I just, again, I just want to say thank you for inspiring me today. You're, I really appreciate that. You're so welcome. And I, I do, since I know this is going to air pretty soon, I am starting on the 5th on my social media channels, uh, Tracy McCubbin. We'll, I can give all my handles. Um, I'm going to start uh, 12 days of stuff free giving. Yeah. So it's 12 different, every day it's a different idea of a gift that you can give that doesn't involve stuff. And I'm oh, super excited. Yeah, I definitely, like, I'm excited to see what those ideas are and how to clutter-free gift this season. And, and, you know, it might mean we have a small Christmas celebration at our home, but like, it might mean like less stuff underneath the tree, but just as much joy in my loved one's heart. And so yeah. I'm excited to see what those 12 days exist or consist of. And we'll definitely link to that. Is there anything else that you want to share today, Tracy, or, uh, also where can, where can everyone find you? I just love talking to this community as an empath myself. Um, I really, I just want people to understand how much their stuff can 
can lift them up and also burden them down. Yes. Um, and I'm super easy to find. The book is called Making Space Clutter Free, the last book on decluttering you'll ever need. And I'm on social media as Tracy underscore McCubbin, which is M-C-C-U-B-B-I-N. And Facebook and Instagram are kind of the most active places to find me. Amazing. We will drop all your links in the show notes. And I just appreciate you and all of your helpful tips, tricks, and knowledge today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and happy holidays. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And I hope you learned a lot and are just as inspired to go clean out your closet as I am today. If you happen to be listening to this on Tuesday, December 3rd, which is Giving Tuesday, I want you to run over to autoimmunetribecourses.com and scroll through the over 15 courses that are available there for you today. Because today only, I am offering 50% of the tuition or enrollment investment of each and every course to be donated to a local animal rescue or shelter of your choice. So go go scroll through, find a course that resonates with you. They're as little as $7. Most of them are in the range of 22 to 100. And again, 50% of that is going to a local rescue or shelter of your choice. This is way my way of giving back this holiday season and supporting a waste-free investment for you in your life. Or you could even purchase one of these courses for somebody you love in your life as a gift. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you next time. Thank you.